0: Section 2 of The History and Suggestions in the Making of Biscuits, Quick Breads, and Cake. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of and Suggestions in the Making of Biscuits, Quick Breads, and Cake by Claudia Quigley Murphy a popular cake for the banquet and feasts of the colorful period of Elizabeth and her household was a good seed cake. Herein are the procedures and ingredients. Take five pounds of fine flour, well dried, and four pounds of single refined sugar, beaten and sifted. Mix the sugar and flour together and sift through a hair sieve. Then wash four pounds of butter in eight spoonfuls of rose or orange flour water. You must work the butter with your hand till it is like cream. Beat twenty eggs. Half the whites and put them in six spoonfuls of sack. Then put in your flour a little at a time, keeping stirring with your hand all the time. You must not begin mixing it till the oven is almost hot. You must let it lie a little while before you pour your cake into the hoop. When you are ready to put it into the oven, put into it eight ounces of candied orange peel sliced and as much citron and a pound and a half of caraway comfits. Mix all well together and put into the hoop, which must be prepared at bottom and buttered. The oven must be quick and will take two or three hours baking you may ice it if you please housewife's companion 1790 here eggs doubtless served the very definite purpose of a leavening agent to lighten the batter and so produce the desired light and flavory texture required in cake as commerce extended over the seas to the fast-growing colonies of east and west wealth increased and with it came finer living expressed in choice food and greater and finer type of table settings and furnishings so too Cake-making became more than a sweetening of dough or an enriching of bread batters. It was discovered that eggs added, the nicer and lighter was the cake, the tastier and more delicious the product. Eggs were cheap then, so in the favored cake of that period it was common to use from 20 to 36 eggs, for the eggs served as a livener of the cake. For this much seems true, the use of eggs in a cake is requisite to lightness and fine texture as well as to flavor. Standards of living in the eighteenth century were considerably advanced over those of the preceding years. Travel was more easily accomplished, for going was better. So, with the increased wealth of the people, came added visiting among groups of friends, relations, and acquaintances. Meals began to be something more than a mere effort to satisfy hunger, and served as a social and frequently a political function. So, choices of food were developed, and the making of light small breads or biscuits and rich flavory cakes, large, small, and layer, became one of the favorite tokens of good living. Here begins the use of a pleasant expression of table life in that period, for to say they eat well, indicated in no small degree the family's high social standards. In many of the old cookery books we constantly meet the phrases skill in cookery, skill in choosing flour, skill in blending flavours, skill in mixing ingredients, and skill there must be in these same items today, if successful cookery is to be secured. The first cakes then were merely sweetened bread, Dough, eggs, spice, and perhaps fruit and some flavor added. Some expert cake makers found that a more generous use of eggs gave a lighter and whiter cake. Omitting the yolks added whiteness and perhaps lightness. The first of the leavenings introduced to supplant yeast was perlash, which makes its appearance in receipts early in the nineteenth century. In New American Cookery by an American lady published in New York in eighteen o five, appears honey cake, in which two teaspoons of perlash are used mistress mary randolph in eighteen twenty eight wrote the virginia housewife with the slogan method is the soul of management and published it in eighteen twenty eight in her preface she writes management is an art that may be acquired by every woman of good sense and tolerable memory if perchance she has been bred in a family where domestic business is the work of chance she will have many difficulties to encounter but a determined resolution to obtain this valuable knowledge will enable her to surmount all obstacles she must begin the day with an early breakfast, requiring each person to be in readiness to take their seats when the muffins, buckwheat cakes, etc., are placed on the table. This looks social and comfortable. And social and comfortable it reads. Mistress Randolph uses ash, three teaspoons dissolved in a cup of water, in her plebeian gingerbread. Miss Leslie, of Philadelphia, for so her signature always reads, published her book of seventy five receipts in eighteen twenty seven in Boston. Pearlash is a requisite for many of her cakes. In Miss Leslie's Dover cake, she dissolves her half teaspoon of pearlage required in a little vinegar and says, the pearlage will give it a dark color. In her book, some thirty years later, bicarbonate of soda appears as a leavening agent, which she sometimes calls subcarbonate of soda. In the sixties, cream of tartar and soda was the popular leavening for cakes and tea biscuits. Waffles and receipts for muffins appear in constantly increasing numbers, giving evidence of their popularity and tastiness unquestionably baking powder was produced as the result of a demand for a convenient leavening powder that could be used with sweet milk or water and that would produce a nice fine-grained sweet-tasting and tender white cake or white biscuit for the soda made product required sour milk or buttermilk and unless great care was exercised not only lacked the proper leavening but was too yellow in appearance and brackish in flavor that soda taste as it was described Baking powder, proportioned carefully by skilled chemists, entirely does away with these disagreeable results. So, entered baking powder, in the latter part of the 19th century, a product which has added greatly to the palatability of our foods, and because of this, has revolutionized our cookery. Baking powder brought in its box much good eating, such as delicious biscuit for tea or breakfast, for luncheon or dinner, the light, fluffy dumpling, to add to the savory veal or lamb stew. The hot waffle, rich and tasty, with or without fried chicken or veal cutlets. The colorful, tasteful, and appetizing pancake. The poppy popover. The attractive and tasty muffins and gems, for early or late breakfast. And finally, a whole range of choice cakes, cookies, and pastries, all these in the can of baking powder, a very definite reason for its preference and popularity. Many words have been written, many speeches made, concerning baking powder and its action. The real thing to be sought is a strong, steady powder, not only quick in action, but steadily on its job during the baking process. What makes the wheels go round is as legitimate a question to age and experience as it is to youth. What atom unit promotes the rise in the batter when baking powder enters is deserving of investigation. Here is a most interesting hypothesis presented after careful examination by an experienced observer. While eggs do not themselves aerate the dough, yet owing to the peculiar glary consistency of their whites they materially assist in retaining the air introduced in mixing the dough and as the white of egg coagulates at baking temperature, the little balloons of expanded air are retained and the dough is thus lightened. During the past 50 years, baking powder has been developed to produce leavening or aeration by the evolution of a harmless gas in the dough and useful purposes in reducing the number of eggs required in cake making and giving a finer texture and flavor. But eggs are still essential to lightness, fine texture, and flavor. In some baking powders, white of egg in powdered form is included, thus combining the more efficient leavening power of baking powder with the peculiar quality of eggs to retain and more evenly distribute the leavening gas. An interesting subject surely and certainly of value, but to the average man or woman, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. For the test of the baking powder is finally in the light, flavory, tender, and tasty product. The baking powder that produces good biscuits and waffles, cake or muffins, that eat well and are tasty, light and tender, justifies its use in no uncertain manner. End of section 2